reading is taken from Genesis 3, 1 to 15. It can be found on page 2 of your church Bibles. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the, tree, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Harmony. Am I audible? Yeah? Great. Fantastic. If you don't know me, my name is Niels. I'm also part of the staff team here. Let me just move this. Fantastic. All right, it's our first Christmas service, right? It's Christmas. Normally, we go through books of the Bible uh, section by section. Um, of course, this is Christmas, so we have a few sermons on yeah, uh, Jesus, his birth, uh, this amazing event 2,000 years ago. And uh, today was kind of a, a bit of a spare week because we had the family service this morning. And uh, so I wanted to focus on something different from usual. I'm going to focus on Jesus as a human because Jesus, of course, Jesus' birth was about him becoming human. Now, of course, in a way, some ways, that's not very special, right? You ask people on the street, you know, uh, Jesus was human. And, of course, they will, of course, no one disputes that. No one is excited about that, right? You ask the atheists, and what they all dispute is that Jesus was God, but that he was a human, they have no problem with. So, normally, at our Christmas services, we always, you know, this baby, this was God, God come down to earth. Eh? That's what we sing. Word of the Father now in flesh appearing. That's the exciting thing. God come to earth. But at the same time, he was human. 
And actually, that, that adds a certain dimension to Christmas that uh, we don't often think about. And so I thought for today, let, let's look at Jesus as, the, as a human baby. Because there was a promise of a specific human thousands of years ever before Isaiah prophesied about Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, through, well, we read Genesis 3. Ever since Genesis 3, there's been a promise uh, of a human who would come. And that's what we want to look at. And I, I hope that will be exciting for us. It just helps us see Christmas again, helps us see Jesus, uh, get us excited about his coming. So why don't we pray together again? Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that he was born. And thank you that he came uh, as a human to live a human life. Uh, we pray we would see more of that today. It would warm our hearts. Uh, it would make us love him and live for him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, so where does this start? Well, we just had the reading. This is where the whole world went wrong. If you're not familiar, well, Genesis, uh, it's the first book of the Bible. It starts with God making this perfect world. Everything is right. Uh, he makes humans. Uh, they, uh, they're in his image. They're kind of under his authority, but he gives them the world to rule, make this beautiful world, uh, fill it, uh, Create it, shape it for me. However, in the Garden of Eden, where they are, this serpent shows up. This serpent, an animal, right? That's what it says, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And this is a picture of the devil, Satan. Uh, well, picture, it, it, it is the devil, but uh, as a serpent. Um, what does he do? He tempts Adam and Eve. Uh, he says, uh, don't worry, that this fruit that God said you shouldn't eat, don't worry about it. It's really great, it will make you like God, don't worry, you won't die. Uh, Adam and Eve now have a choice. Are we going to listen to God, or are we going to listen to Satan? Uh, I guess as most of us know, it all went wrong, right? They, uh, they ate the fruit, verse 6, and they fell out with each other. Uh, they fell out with God. Uh, the whole world was cursed. That's why it's a world now of, of pain, of death, because they, they rejected God. God had said, you know, uh, you can have everything, just not this thing. This thing, that yeah, then you're rejecting me. And that's what they did. Now, one way to see this chapter that, that will help us, uh, did you notice the reversal of order? Uh, why is this such a problem? Well, what was the order that we saw before? Eh? God is in charge, and humans are under him, and they take care of the animals, the world. Eh? Let them, uh, humans do that. But who is in charge now? It's the serpent, right? The animal is on top, and Adam and Eve, they listen to the serpent. And whereas God, well, he's, he's ignored. He's down there at the bottom, isn't it? It's like the whole world is upside down. The way it should be is reversed. And uh, you look at the world outside, and I hope we can see that many things are just seem upside down. So many things seem wrong. So many things are broken. The way Clarissa prayed, right? we heard this world is it's wrong. It's upside down. Well, what does God promise? In the midst of this terrible chapter of, uh, of sin and judgment, well, God makes a promise to the serpent. Eh? He curses the snake, verse 14. 
Cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. But verse 15, there's a promise. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. There will be someone to crush the serpent, an, an offspring, uh, a baby, a descendant of Adam and Eve, particularly of Eve here. Uh, he will well, crush your head. So the, the serpent have, who kind of made everything go wrong, he, uh, he will come and crush the serpent. Now you, you need to think a bit about the imagery here. Huh? So the, the, the serpent will strike the heel. And uh, this person will crush the head. And of course, that's just normal for a snake, right? Snakes, they are down there on the ground. If he's going to hurt me, he's going to bite my heel, of course. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to step on his head. In some ways, that's normal. But, but, but this is Satan, right? Uh, think, uh, you need to think about some of the imagery. He head is about rule, right? Jesus is the head of the church. So crushing the head is about the, the, the rule of Satan. This person is going to stop Satan's rule. And to be under someone's feet is to be, well, under their authority, right? Everything is going to be under Jesus' feet. He's going to rule the whole world. So here's someone who is, well, above the serpent, right? It's going to be right way up again. Instead of humans under the serpent, this, now the serpent is again under a human. Someone who will, therefore, he'll be under God. Someone who will obey, who will do what is right, unlike what Adam and Eve did. That is the thing here, right? The serpent crusher. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen this picture. It's a really wonderful uh, picture. This is Eve and Mary. And there's Eve with her apple, and she's being comforted by Mary yeah, with, with this baby. There's going to be a baby and uh, can you see there under the, at the bottom? Of course, it's not Mary who's going to crush the, the serpent. Mary just gave birth. But, you know, that baby is going to crush the serpent. Satan's going to be defeated. Instead of him ruling over humans, us following him, here will be this special human. And then actually this idea, did, did this human, did this offspring, that now r starts running through the Bible. I don't know if you know the book of Genesis, it's full of genealogies. But constantly there are hints, people are searching for uh, this, this offspring. So if you turn to chapter 5, uh, verse 28 for example, uh, here we get a genealogy and then we get Noah. 5 verse 28. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he had a son. He named him Noah and said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands, caused by the ground the Lord had cursed. So what are their hopes for this baby, baby Noah? Well, that he will give us relief from the curse. And the things that went wrong in Genesis 3, uh, we hope that this baby will make it right. And they, they were expecting a baby to, to come and do something. Of course, as we know, Noah had a great start, right? And uh, the world was washed clean. He also sinned. He wasn't it. And, and yeah, so people kept looking for this, this offspring. Uh, God made some big promises. The, the promise to Abraham. Uh, he's, I'm, he's going to make the world right through Abraham. But not just through Abraham. Through his offspring. God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. 
it's still focused on this, this coming descendant. Uh, of course, that became the people of Israel. Uh, they sinned, they failed. It starts to become focused on the king. I hope we've seen that the past few months in Samuel. Uh, the people of Israel fail, but the hope is on the king. And David comes. What God promises to David, is David the one? No. What God says to David, when your days are over, you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. Always there's this idea that this future offspring, and this is the one we're waiting for, this future offspring. And, you know, again, hundreds of years later, in the prophets, this image is still there. Uh, Daniel, 500 years after David, he had this vision. I don't know if you know Daniel 7, this vision of these beasts coming out of the sea, like a lion and a bear and a, a leopard with four heads. And they're just evil beasts. And that is kind of what this world is like. It's, it's ruled by evil beasts, right? Genesis 3, beasts are in charge. But what is the great hope? Well, a human. Verse 13, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, a, a human, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. Because Jesus said he's the son of man. But can you see the, again the, the Garden of Eden here? Here is a human who is, uh, who is now the new king. Those beasts are gone, now it's a human again in charge on the, on the earth. A human who is welcomed into God's presence. Adam and Eve, they sinned, they were cast out. Here is a human who is coming back to God. He's welcomed. Why? Because he's done it right. He has conquered Satan. He has lived a perfect life. He is welcomed with God. And, and, and so, yeah, that brings us to the Gospels. And, and all these promises, they, they get fulfilled in Jesus, right? Here's the very first verse of the New Testament. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Yeah, those promises. He, here is the offspring. Uh, in Luke, it goes even further back. Not just David and Abraham. Luke says he's the, the son of Adam. The new Adam. The new person who would do it right. And, and in the next, very next section, just after the son of Adam, here's Jesus in the desert. Uh, Satan comes to him. Uh, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's hungry. Well, if you're the son of God, you know, turn this stone into bread. Nice, some food. And Jesus says, no, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Uh, throw yourself of the temple. Get everyone to believe in you. No, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Here is the human who, who resists Satan, who doesn't give in. And the new Adam, the, the, the offspring who would crush Satan, who would defeat him, who would resist his rule. He's here. Uh, that's Jesus. I, I hope you can see that now, right? There, there's something important about him, this human who shows up, this human who would do what humans should do, live under God, not under Satan, uh, who live fully to his glory. And, and, and Jesus did that, right? I mean, of course, the cross was his greatest moment where he truly resisted. I mean, that must be the greatest temptation, right? You're hanging there on the cross 
facing all God's judgment against our sin, of course, you'd be very tempted to come down. But for 33 years, he resisted Satan. For 33 years, he lived every moment for God's glory in just his normal, ordinary life. He had a job. He was a carpenter. He carpented every day for the glory of God. Uh, He was part of a family. He had a a father and a mother, brothers and sisters. And then they shared family life. And he did that perfectly uh, to God's glory. (coughs) He he lived in Nazareth. He was a a citizen. Uh, He walked on the streets and saw needs. And and all of that he did beautifully. He, He just lived a real human life. He did, he kind of, he fulfilled God's plan for humans. He lived this beautiful life, and that was it. He, he, he was a Jew. He, did, he said his prayers. He had his meditations. He went to the synagogue. Did all of that beautifully to God's glory. And we, 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 of course, we focus on his death, but actually there was a whole life that Jesus lived as a human. Uh, a beautiful life. People talked about Jesus as the the one man who was fully alive. He really fulfilled his potential as a human to live whole life for God's glory. Uh, The most beautiful life there is. That is Jesus as a human. And through that, he, he undid the curse. He did what was right. He reversed what went wrong in Genesis 3 and brought all the blessings and rewards that came from that. That's Jesus. Now, of course, that's a wonderful thing. Well, what does that mean for us then? Okay, well, uh, what does this add for Christmas? How does it, you know, uh, what does it add to the message? And Jesus is like this diamond with different facets. Well, what does this facet add? Well, one thing I think is interesting it kind of shows that life matters. Right? Normal life matters. Jesus didn't just come and die and get out. He, he lived a whole life here. Uh, that, that was God's plan for humans, to, to, to live this whole beautiful life to his glory. Uh, we, which means that kind of life matters. Our lives matter. I, I don't know what kind of illustration I can give I don't know if you know Bear Grylls, um, this kind of survival guy who does these amazing things. Uh, so you, you have here these snowy mountains. You don't have this in Hong Kong. But uh, he, he would go, okay, there's some medicine needs to go to this mountain village. And he would go and uh, you know, deliver that. Uh, it's an important task. Now, if he would give that job to me, uh, what would I do? I, I'd be proud. I wouldn't listen to advice. And I would go and, well, I, I would, of course, fail. And I would be stuck somewhere in a crack. And then two days later, they go looking for me. <laughs> and uh, they send a helicopter. And, and the helicopter pulls me out. Right? Now, th- that's a great way we illustrate Christmas, right? Jesus came in and, and, and got me out. But in this story, yes, that's great. I'm, I'm safe again. That's wonderful, wonderful rescue. But those medicines still need to go to that village, right? How about God's original plan? How about God's, you know, uh, how about God's plan for humanity? It, 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 it's not relevant, right? It's just the helicopter comes in and gets me out. No, Jesus lived our whole human life. 
And so these lives, our lives matter. I don't know if you think your job is significant. Uh, it's the only thing that matters. Well, I believe in Jesus, so I'm not going to hell. And, and, and that's it. No, God's plan for, for humans is this, is this life. Uh, a whole life lived to his glory. Uh, so y- y- you're there to work and, and you're going to do that God's way. And, and it's beautiful and that's his plan. You're part of a family. And again, that's significant. Jesus, he was part of a family. And that was part of doing God's will, doing God's plan. Right? Being a citizen. All, these, all, all this normal life. I don't know if you think it, it matters what you do. It does. God cares about this world. He cares about humanity and th- that means he cares about the way we live our ordinary lives. Mm. Uh, Christmas shows how important our, our normal human lives are. Jesus became a human. He lived a whole human life. It mattered. That was the best thing he could do there, those 33 years. Although at the same time, when I say that, when I say, well, our life really matters, it also means how far short I fall, though. And the thing is, we often just look at uh, sins. I mean, uh, if you look at your life, you know, how far short do you fall? We usually focus on a, on a few different sins, right? We just had a confession. Now, what did you confess? The, the don't tell me, but, you know, what did you confess? My guess is if you're like me, we just look at a few things that I've done wrong. Okay, so Monday, I, I lost my temper. Uh, Tuesday, I spent too much time dwelling on lustful thoughts. And we, we pick out a few sins. And that's right, they are sins. We need to confess them. But let's just compare our lives with Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus didn't just live the same life as us with a few less sins. Jesus lived his whole life to God's glory. Jesus lived a perfect human life. And how does that compare with your life? The, the, The thing is, if if our lives don't really matter, if the only thing that matters is whether we believe and we've believed, then yeah, we, we've kind of, okay, that's, that's all right. The thing is, because our lives matter, our human lives matter, God cares about the things we've done wrong. In the illustration, God cares about the fact that I didn't get those medicines delivered because of my pride and f- stupidness, right? stupidity. I mean, look at your life. Look at my life. Look at your job. Have, do you live every moment there to God's glory? Are, are, are you fully alive in your job in that sense? A- again, for me, uh, no, not at all. I mean, would Jesus, would, if Jesus had your job, how would he do it? Would it just be the same as you without getting angry sometimes? I think it would be wildly different, right? In your family life, is your family life, do you, is it fully to God's glory? Is it really everything right? Or is it actually, well, so much, so little that's actually for God? Uh, we can see how far short we fall when we think, no, it's not just a few sins. It's living our whole life for God. That is what Jesus did. That's what we should have done. I mean, look at the protest. Look at the mess Hong Kong has been in. Again, 
what would Jesus have done? I don't know what side, it, do you think Jesus is on either of these sides? It, 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 do you, if Jesus worked for the police, would he have done what we've seen the past few six months? Or if you think Jesus is on the protest side, is, is that how he would have done? Would he have trashed MTR stations to God's glory? No, right? All the side is so much sin, so much human uh, failure. Or if you think, you know, Jesus, yeah, he has his own kingdom, neither side. Would he have been as aloof as some of us have been? Just worrying about our own safety? Or would he have been out there helping people? You know, Jesus lived a perfect life. And we, well, we haven't just sinned a few times. We have not lived that way. Right? How would he have had family conversations with those who disagree with him? You know, Jesus lived a perfect human life. And we haven't. And the more we compare ourselves with Jesus, the more we see how far short we fall. How we have not lived every minute to God's glory. But Jesus did. And, and then when I feel like that, I just feel paralyzed. right? I, I feel, how can I ever live like that? How, how can I ever live in a way that God would be pleased with? That God would be honored with? And we have just really no hope in ourselves, right? And that is why Christmas is such good news. Because Jesus came in our place. Jesus came to live that life that we have failed to live. I mean, isn't it so beautiful? This baby who was, grew up to be a man and all his life lived this beautiful life. Uh, this life fully to God's glory. This life where he loved everyone, where he loved God, where he loved his neighbor, where he served, where he obeyed for us. Yeah? I mean, we believe Jesus never sinned. Have you thought that through? Have you thought it through what it means to live fully to God's glory? And then Jesus did that. Here is the first human ever who did that. Yeah? Who was always right who was always tempted but never gave in that's jesus the perfect human everyone thinks he's special you know all the atheists they still think jesus is amazing uh, the most amazing human with the most amazing teaching the most amazing life how he loved no we needed someone to live the life that we didn't and jesus lived it in our place and we, we know he succeeded, right? We know it was perfect. We know he, you know he came and he lived and he died and he rose and he went to heaven and he came into God's presence. Right? Here is a human back with God. God's plan is fulfilled. There is a human in heaven. I don't know if you think humans can get to heaven. There is a human in heaven right now. It is possible. But wonderfully, he shares that with us. Uh, he didn't just took our place. He, he didn't just die in our place on the cross. He lived in our place. He loved God in our place. He loved his neighbor in our place. He prayed in our place. He did good in our place. He served in our place. Then that's Christmas. Jesus, the human who lived the life that we couldn't and who gave that to us the perfect life reckoned to us 
so that we also can be there. We can also go to heaven. We can be with Jesus. We can be with God. We don't deserve it. We, <laughs> we fall so far short. And yet Jesus did that. I, isn't that the most wonderful news? Uh, tomorrow when you go to job, uh, when you go to your job, uh, you're going to fail, right? <laughs> you're going to not just do a few things wrong, actually. Uh, you're going to fail to glorify God every moment. But then you look at Christmas. You look at here is the human who, who came, who was born, who lived this perfect life for me. And, and then you can just keep going, right? You don't have to worry about it. I can live for God now. Uh, it changes you. And then he will change you. You know, clearly God cares about human lives. And so Jesus, after ascending, he sent the Spirit who is changing you, who is making you more like him, making you more like this perfect Jesus. Because he cares about our lives. He wants us to honor him. He wants us to glorify him. And then when we fail, well, there, there's forgiveness. I mean, of course, the cross is the heart of the Christian life. That's why Jesus gave us this, this table here to remember. Although I hope you see what a beautiful life he offered. And why did Jesus live a perfect life? Partly so he would be a blameless sacrifice in our place. Why could Jesus die for us? Why could he be an acceptable sacrifice? Well, because he lived this perfect life for us. And so as you take the bread and the wine, remember, this is Jesus. This symbolizes Jesus, the, the perfect human who gave his body for us. Wonderful. So yeah, I, I hope that encourages us. I hope that warms our hearts. Why, why don't we sing. Why don't we sing of this perfect life sacrificed for us. Let's, uh, the music team will come up. Uh, this is also our time of offering. If you're here as a visitor,